0: Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio Interactive live chat room at TNTradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom.
1: Today's News
0: Talk Radio, TNT. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. Welcome back to the third hour of the Weekends with Jason Olborn show. You know, sometimes when you're starting out in the video business, you get a few surprises and I hope that I was smiling then. And sometimes that happens in this business. And uh, you can trust that this is all part of the fun of the show on weekends. It is always good to be kept on your toes. And i tell you what, I reckon in this hour, I might keep Father Chris Yates on his toes but he will certainly throw it back in my direction. He is a man that I met on the campaign trail last year, and uh, I think we had more fun than everyone else we were out there discussing the world as it was, and he is gonna be on the show momentarily. There is a lot to discuss, including the idea if religion is part of the problem for the decline of the West. How about that? So who is Father Chris Yace? He was originally from Manchester in England, but has lived in Australia since 2010, he spent 10 years as a policeman, first in rural Oxfordshire and then in London. He left the police to become a priest and he has served in parishes in New South Wales and England before entering politics as an advisor to not one but two different federal senators. He now lives in Newcastle in New South Wales and spends his time as a writer as well as a, contributing to publications including The Spectator. He's a graduate of the Australian Catholic University in philosophy and theology. He enjoys discussing economics and politics, particularly the works of thomas soul father chris yates welcome to weekends see you again too oh it's terrific to uh to have you on the show and uh whilst we're just working out we might have the um uh you on phone but i'm sure we've got you on video somewhere and we'll get you up in in a a second uh and and just see what we're doing there but while we just get you set up chris Interesting this week, I had occasion to use a clip from Thomas Sowell who was explaining why he didn't believe the climate change agenda. And he said it was because the temperatures went up before carbon dioxide. So it was the opposite. Hmm. What was it that
2: attracted you to the work of Thomas Sowell in the beginning? Uh, What I love about Thomas Sowell is um, he has a ruthless um, commitment to um, research so you know as many people know he started out life as as a as a leftist well as a marxist um and uh you know people have asked him in the past you know what was your sort of road to damascus moment where you know the scales fell from your eyes when it came to marxism and he said, well, it wasn't studying under Milton Friedman, the Nobel, Nobel Prize winning economist. It was uh, just facts and data. And and in his case, working for the federal government on the, uh, researching the minimum wage laws, because he'd been told that uh, the, the, the minimum wage laws might, in fact, um, harm uh, employment. Uh, and, and he discovered that this was the case. Uh, and he also discovered that... Um, uh, a big state has every interest in suppressing information like that. And so what I love about him is all of his books uh, have pages of notes at the back because he doesn't make any claims without some data, some facts, uh, some research uh, that supports what he's saying. Uh, and that's what – and he, he, he of course, initially um, – applied that to economic theory and he wrote a great tome basic economics which is in its 5th edition um, but he's applied it to social theory to uh, um you know uh, ideas that are promoted by race hustlers uh he is, for those who don't know him, a black American that grew up initially in the South and was from a very poor family in Harlem. Um, and so he, he, the opposite of a privileged man. And and yet he rejects all of the claims of race hustlers because he's so committed to data and research.
0: It's uh, wonderful, isn't it, when you can find or discover someone that changes the way that they've seen the world and go about it in a process that completely changes everything that they do. Chris, you started out as a policeman and became a priest. That's a big big change. What was
2: your occasion to take such a a, a change in life? Well, uh, I I mean I mean really the the biggest conversion I had was I'm from Manchester, uh and therefore grew up thinking that the labor party and socialism were the answer to all of our problems. Um and and so my my and that carried with me into the police. Before I joined the police I'd, I'd become a Christian and and the reason I I didn't grow up in the church at all. Um, but the reason I did that was because uh I, w- I w- well, a little like what I just described of, of Thomas Sowell, I I I'd done my research and arguments at you know, admittedly at a young age, uh, in favor of atheism, if not ag- you know, yeah, atheism, if not agnosticism. Um, and, and I became more convinced by the arguments for Christianity. And and you know, I've never been more convinced than now. So I made a personal decision and commitment to become a, a Christian, to to follow the teachings of Christ and his church. Um, but actually, everything that's happened, you know, since, well, since 2010 onwards, really, uh, it's in focus now since the pandemic. But but the seeds for this are, you know, a decades before that, uh, of totalitarianism, of governments becoming authoritarian in, you know, what we always considered democratic Western liberal democracies um uh all of this confirms for me um the the that even if you don't have a personal commitment or, you, or you've made a, a personal decision to follow christ that um there needs to be a resurgence in understanding that there is a lawgiver which is why we have laws um that there, that there is um you know god transcends the state and so uh, you know if if we acknowledge that our rights come from god no matter what we might think about god uh, no matter how much we know or 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 however uh tremulous we feel saying the word god um the one thing it does assure is that those rights transcend the state and uh we've seen um the, the, you know religious affiliation, even in America, but certainly in the in I mean in the rest of Europe, it was, it's been very low my entire lifetime. But religious affiliation has dropped off a cliff. Mm. Um and we now have figures like Ian Hersiali, who I've met and I really uh, like Ian, uh, yeah I was on a round table with her um, and she is now having been one of the sort of um new atheists is now a church goer uh, and and talking about the necessity of believing god uh, now i'm sure she came at that from a philosophical and political perspective first uh, but, and actually that's all the more impressive and and i think like you've said people who are able to change their minds to show that um actually genuine open-mindedness to saying, actually, I think what I've been following isn't really stacking up with reality and there's something I need to do about it, particularly if you have a public voice. Um, you know, that's a great witness. Um, that, that, that You know, I, I'm sure that, that Ian will uh, encourage many, many more people to consider um, the Christian church than I have in decades of preaching from a pulpit.
0: Uh, yeah, it is remarkable, isn't it, that uh, you can have that level of change and commitment to the change, to work out that what we thought we knew might not necessarily serve us or serve us anymore, and so it is that we go down a pathway of change. But like you've um, you've referenced with Thomas Sowell and yourself, Chris, you put an enormous amount of work and effort into the research that you do. So it's not just something that you change on a whim. And as such, you're now writing uh, a book, possibly multiple books, but you've gone down a pathway where you're exploring a new subject that I wanted to talk to you about. Given that you are, uh, are, are a priest, uh, that you that you have that level of training, and, and, and you went down the path of a police officer, you've worked with um, with senators, so you've got a very good eye on what's going on. The premise that you're exploring now is the idea that religion may well be to blame for the decline in the West. This is a this is a fantastic subject to explore. Why do you think that this could even be worth exploring?
2: Uh, well I'm going to be even more uh, sharp on it. Um really I believe it's Christian leaders that have that have generated the the decline um of religiosity uh, certainly of the church uh in the west. Um I am I am working on a book um uh, maybe a PhD um uh, on on this theme. I mean if you look at um uh the the rampant um taking up of um uh liberal philosophy by the church uh particularly in focus since the 60s i mean we can talk about the second vatican council which which um you know was happened in the 1960s and therefore it, it, you know a lot of this gravitates to that particular point we know about the social upheaval that went on with the with the the contraceptive pill being widely available uh, with the vietnam war and the stuff that happened on campuses well likewise within the church the, the second vatican council was uh you know it went wider than the roman catholic church although it was it was um uh their council um it really included the whole church in, in and i would say adopting i'm not sure it was the aim of the council but but what happened beyond the council was this the high ideal was that the church would open itself up to the world that in fact rather than you know being this dark mysterious place uh, where we've got all the answers and we'll just give you the scraps when you're lucky which of, which i oppose as well um but they, it really kind of, um, the theory was it would open up to the church, something which I would agree with, to say, no, no, we've got the deposit of faith that we're here to share with. In other words, the church becomes the library, the resource, um, for people to to plunge the depths of, of philosophical understanding. But, you know, beyond the council, there certainly were agitators within the church um, who mirror, you know, what's happened on university campuses in terms of how they've been um, uh you know uh, owned by by people of a certain um i would say marxist or neo-marxist way of thinking even if they don't know that uh, seeing everything in the world as oppressed versus oppressor you know it's kind of the rich versus the poor um i reject those those um Uh, uh, dichotomies entirely but but the church or people within the church really took this up we get from this liberation theology which which penetrated south america in particular this idea that um really uh well again i'm i'm using crude terms but the proletariat must rise up against the bourgeois and the church must help that you know and you see how it becomes a political aim rather than a theological aim or, or 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 one which is you know grounded in 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 Christ, so, and I think it's no mistake. Pope Francis, of course, comes from South America, um, and you know a lot of what he says chimes with liberation theology, which I, which you know, the Church actually still officially teaches to be heretical. But um, nevertheless, these preachers in the name in the in the name of the Church have uh, uh, downplayed the importance of the family. I'm not saying that that Pope Francis has done this, but. The people I'm referring to downplayed the centrality of the family um, in the life of a nation. That really, you know, the the ultra libertarians focus too much on the individual, and the ultra socialists focus too much on the community. Really, the the healthiest unit to consider when when we're talking about um, uh, how we live our lives, which you know, which involves religion, but also politics and economics, is the family. Uh, the you know we are family people. We care about what we leave behind to, to to our children. We care about our 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 family more than the state possibly ever could, um, and so um, you know the church always had the family at the center of church life. But I think you know atomistic individualism or uh you know the sort of social justice tomes which which place an overemphasis on 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 society as opposed to families or individuals um, this really has been taken up by by the church uh, by church leaders by by vocal people within the life of the church and and my i guess my thesis is to say that the product of even though their intentions may have been to share the faith to encourage christianity to to want to reach out you know i would say almost desperately to say please come to our churches uh, but the results of their ministry have been atheism uh, the results uh, uh, again very much like thomas salt very like uh, that famous churchillian quote um no matter how beautiful the strategy occasionally it pays to look at the results well the results of their um actions their ministry their teaching their writings all of the most popular writings you know that do the rounds at the seminaries and and that preachers talk about um the 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 fruits of that have been atheism and and empty pews and so now it is that people like i and hersey alley and her husband Neil Ferguson, um, and uh, Douglas Murray, and uh, people who are not from a theological background are the ones saying, actually, we need to. Um, we've realised that that um, if all we have is politics, if all we have is um, existentialism, you know, what is what what we can see before us, then actually we have nothing to live for. The, the meaning of life can't be found within that, and there's nothing to bind us. And, and of course, this is what everybody wants to talk about uh, how divided uh, our nations are, Australia less so, America particularly so. Um, well, that division is because we've made a god out of politics, and so your god is to be Republican or Democrat, or your god is uh, Donald Trump or um, Joe Biden. Um, none of these things are healthy. And I'm not suggesting, by the way, that, th- that those leaders... Trying to do that, I'm saying that this is what happens when people mm. uh, know. You know, the highest ideal of what people um, are striving towards, if it becomes political victory, that's not enough to make your life worth living. Mm. It's such an interesting point, isn't it? Because the other side of that
0: is that if it's your political party, that you're the one supporting one side or another, does that mean that the other people therefore look at it, that if if, if, if their God was elected, then it's our Satan, so to speak, mm. and it becomes something completely, completely different. Now, what we're going to do is take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Father Chris Yates. You are watching and listening to Weekends with Jason Olborn here on TNT Radio.
1: TNT Radio's Steve Malsburg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former National Security Advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission which is to destroy Hamas, I think it's a mistake.
0: Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio.
2: Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener.
0: What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. I on the air. You're on the air. On the air 24-7, your news talk giant, ENT. Welcome back to Weekends with Jason Olborn. We are speaking with Father Chris Yates. Chris, before the break, you mentioned somebody that you met who has changed her whole life, and that's kind of been a bit of
2: a theme to this particular hour. What was it like when you met Ian Hersey Alley? Um, it was pretty amazing. I mean, it, it was a roundtable at the Center for Independent Studies, and, you know, re- I mean, really, I was the I was the the lowliest person there, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, in fact, Bill Leak was on that as well. Uh, not long before he died, and um, uh, and uh, yeah, some other some other really interesting people. But Ian um, was talking about the Dawa movement. Uh, so this is back in 2015. You know, this is n- nearly 10 years ago, uh, eight years ago. And um, uh, at that time, she asked who had heard about that, and none of us had, including me um and the wahhabis and, and this sort of thing and she mentioned lakemba and now this the, we've actually seen that the results of this uh after october the 7th but she was talking about the fact that um the dawah movement was a, was an islamic uh, i mean at the, at the extremist end of islam um an islamic movement to go to uh the poor the dejected um perhaps the the educated as well and to invest in those communities so to build beautiful mosques to have schooling to to give funding and and the like all of which look like good charitable acts right um but that actually the agenda was radical islam was 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 hatred of the west was um wanting to bring about sharia law um in in western democracies and she t- she was talking about this and and i was there like with my dog collar on and i said you know my great heroes, at the time I was an Anglican priest, and I said, it, my, my great heroes were the Anglo-Catholic revivalists. Uh, these were priests in the East End of London in the, at the turn of the last century who went to the poorest, uh, most downtrodden re- areas of London. I mean, these are all very exclusive now, but back then they were the slums. Uh, they were called the slum priests, and they went to these slums, and they, with often with their own money uh, or by uh, fundraising, uh, built beautiful churches. They invested in those, so it sounds very similar. Okay, uh, built beautiful churches, gilded with gold. Some of the most beautiful churches in London are in these what were slums, uh, and the idea was to say to the to these uh, you know downtrodden Cockneys, uh, this this beautiful God is yours too. That beauty is for you as well. That the arts are 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 not something that are just for the middle and upper classes. They are they are from God. And, and therefore, they're for you. And it led to a great revival. The Anglo-Catholic revival was very strong. Uh, if you go to London today, most churches are, are very, what we'd say, high church. They're, they're, they're Anglo-Catholic um, churches. Uh, in fact, it was so successful that the, the Church of England was very scared of them because they were dangerously, you know, popish types because they wore, they, they wore different vestments and they had uh, candles on the altar, all these things that were actually quite controversial <laughs> once upon a time in the Church of England. Um, and and my, I asked her the question. I said, "You know, these are my heroes." And what that led to was, in fact, the revolution of those slum areas, uh, the elevate, the social mobility and elevation of 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 people that that were from those poor areas to be really successful and um, now wonderful places. I said, "So why do you think that um, you know the, the Christian movement in that regard led to that outcome, where where whereas Islam?" through their efforts leads to, you know, extremism, uh, uh, and, and, and decay. And she said, your philosophy is, su- is superior. Now wow. she was an atheist ex Muslim. Okay. Yes. Yes. She said, your, your philosophy is superior and you need to tell people that wow. that's your job. And I thought, wow, here is an atheist telling me a priest that I need to be speaking about, um, the philosophy of christianity and how important and vital it is if we want to maintain nice places to live um and and so you know i'm sure she would not remember or recognize me today but i like to think that perhaps i planted a seed in her mind uh um that um that, that that perhaps christianity is worth exploring further and and she goes to church every sunday now um so you know I I've taken that on board and since then that's when I began to write um you know what could be considered more political things my aim is not to be political my aim is to um like I don't really care whether 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 people vote red or blue it's of no concern to me um uh what's of concern to me is that people understand what freedom is, where it comes from, that it's not, you know, it wasn't invented by the founding fathers of the United States, you know. They just had a better handle on where it came from Mm -hmm. and they were very good at codifying it. Um, uh, But actually freedom transcends any human institution. I actually, I I did have a, on on X uh, this week, uh, this week, yeah, I had a bit of a a go at the Archbishop of Canterbury because he'd put this tweet up celebrating the, the, an anniversary of the UN declaration of human rights. Uh, Now there's nothing really wrong with him doing that. I was probably a bit being a bit mean, but you know, I said, um, our rights come from God you know the archbishop of canterbury you could expect to to believe that <laughs> um our rights come from god not some band of muppets around a table yes you know the un are, are, are the moss Isley of of, of organisations aren't they a den of <laughs> scum and villainy yeah. um the uh, and so the idea that that it would be anything worth celebrating that some panel of people around a table at the united nations you know said oh we you know we have this universal declaration of human rights it's meaningless to me uh, and if it's meaningful to you listening consider the fact that that same group of people could change what that means yes. if that's where our rights come from they could have a meeting and decide that our rights are completely different to what you think they might be right now. Um, no, our rights have been revealed to us. I mean, I, I make the Christian argument. There is a creator. There is a lawgiver. Uh, there is a, an uncaused cause of the cosmos. And that and that the, these rights are revealed to us through, um, through his creation and through time. Um, and so uh, that's where I believe they come from. Uh, and if you want to call that a common law tradition if that's easier for you to get your head around, then that's fine. Really, the essence of common law is the same principle. Um, and we live in a common law society in Australia. Uh, and so, you know, the, my, my, um, I guess, you know, my book is, is simultaneously uh, identifying and attacking those that actually have aided the shift away from um, belief in God, the very people that, you know, make their living uh off representing god uh that that they that they've um preached and taught things that have led people away um but also to say this can be recovered actually this is this is just a season you know i mean we're we're talking about what 60 years what's mm-hmm. that in terms of the time scale of of of, of humanity you know what 60 years compared to 2000 years of christianity what yes. 60 years compared to 6000 years of judaism um So I think, you know, recent events uh, in Gaza have revealed both the diagnosis of the problem in the West uh, and in terms of how people have responded to that, but also, I think, uh, the prescription for what might heal us as we move forward. That is uh, really interesting, isn't
0: it, because we have to get past the situations that have once again divided the community over there in Israel uh, and Gaza that is going on. We've got uh, the scenario that more and more people seem to be um, discovering God one way or another in this quagmire that we've been in for the last eight and a half years, that I've sort of measured it from the moment that the establishment was challenged when we, when it was Bernie Sanders that announced that he was running for president. I kind of make that as my um, entry point into this change that has been coming because before that, it was just the Obama years and it was just presumed to be the Clinton years and just seems to just keep going and going and going. But of course, that was the underlying story with these globalist organizations that you've mentioned uh, with the United Nations there. Uh, with with a very cunning plan to to move us into another era if we circle back to um uh, to, to again to the work there with the archbishop of canterbury uh, praising the united nations is this part of the your argument therefore that religion is to blame for this collapse or decline in the
2: west if even the archbishop of canterbury can't see that for himself yeah, I mean I I mean gosh uh, he finds himself in these invidious positions. I mean the the church of England recently voted to bless same-sex marriages for example, mm. which is, you know, I mean th- this is just the latest symptom of of what happens. I mean it's clearly, you know, uh, people don't have to be Christians, right? It's a, you know, it's a voluntary. Um uh, but if you're going to be a Christian, you can't I mean it's very difficult to read the scriptures and and think that the church can bless same-sex marriages. But whatever. Um the the but he he did this extraordinary thing where the Church of England voted basically to allow it to happen. But he personally abstained from the vote and he abstained from it in the name of, oh, well, I have to be a symbol of unity to the whole Anglican communion outside of England. And so I'll abstain, you know, because it might upset the Nigerians, you know. Yeah. And and I think, well, actually, by doing that, you actually in no you can't be a symbol of unity for anybody. Yes. Because by obst- abstaining, you're neither for it nor against it. Yes, you know, and and really, it's cowardly. Yeah. Um. You know. So again. again it's just the, the You see, when you say when I, you know, the question is, religion responsible? Another one of my great heroes is is uh, the late Archbishop Fulton Sheen. He had a prime time television show talking about the sort of things I I talk about now. But his was on prime time in America. The world was different in the fifties and sixties. Um. And and he once uh, made the observation that I think is so right. That said, whenever the church drops something, the world picks it up. In you know, in other words, if we let go of, of an area of responsibility, the world will pick it up. It will transform it. It will you know mutate it. Often turn it against itself. Um, and I think that principle holds true. Um, and so now, if you look at other religious movements, um, one of the questions I love to ask um, atheists is uh, do you accept that there are religions that are atheistic religions you know if we say you have that god has to be part of your religion then obviously only theistic religions count but i don't believe that religion really comes from a latin word which means rule it means how you live your life it means rule of life and so now everybody to that to to an extent, has a rule of life. Even if it, you know, it means drinking till three in the morning, getting up at midday, going and begging on the streets. If you do that every day, that's your religion, right? That's how you practice <laughs> your your way of life. And so, but certainly there are very uh, there are, I would argue, very um, obvious religions uh, at work in the world. Historically, we've had Marxism that's been around for a while. That was the religion of of Stalin, of Pol Pot, uh, of Mao. The religion that led to the deaths of hundreds of millions of people, and, yes. and and the and the restrictions of freedoms of far more people than that. So whenever anyone says, "Oh, if you could just get God off the agenda, we, we'd have a peaceful world," well, uh, again, the evidence isn't on that. No, when you eliminate God, you have more mass murder. Um, so. Um, but certainly, and I, and I hate to say the word because it's it's so ubiquitous now. But you know, the religion of woke is a very strong religion, mm. um, and, and it's and along with it is the is the sort of climate religion, which is a, a new manifest manifestation of Gaia. You know, it, it's just this. Um, uh, whenever we have crises in human history, um, uh, there's always a religious response. Um, now, at the moment, we don't have a religious response that involves God um but it it has the same tropes of religious responses if you look at for example in the old testament you know when they believe that they have offended god they'll fast you know they'll live this ascetic life they'll go without things they'll they'll mm. you know this gets developed in in the new testament you know the image of monks wearing a cillas to give them pain or a hair shirt to make them uncomfortable because this is one way of sort of ridding ourselves of of sin Uh, By the way, those I'm I'm not playing those things down. I actually think more monastics should do things like that. But um, what we have the woke equivalent, you know, that in the name of appeasing the sun god, that's going to kill us all in the next twelve years, we've all got to go back to the Stone Age. We've got to eat no beef. We've got to. um, These are ascetic responses to crises. Um, So it's deeply religious. It just happens to be a really dangerous religion because there's no limiting factor to it because uh, you know at least i mean even even the, the the people i would i would strongly be writing against uh, the christian leaders that i think have done great harm to the church they were at least bound by by something by you know there was some ultimate boundary uh, that that meant they couldn't go too far down that path or at least you know the, the the field was set so that people like me can argue back uh using the same instruments um but there's no limit to the to, to the to the woke mind virus, mm-hmm. um, and so you know that's why we get this extraordinary situation of uh, you know the prophets that have risen up like Greta Thunberg, um, child prophets. That's a that's a very common religious trope, by the mm. way. Um, you know, King David and Goliath and and all this sort of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I the the problem is that because. Um, the divorce from understanding what the Bible says, you know, because because basically we've got in Australia three generations of people that don't know these stories. They don't know the philosophy that went behind it. Even people that went to church, the church was so bad at teaching them that, you know, the ones that are actually seeking after it, they're watching Jordan Peterson go through the book of Exodus. You know, Mm. Uh, they're having to do that because because they either weren't taken to a church, or when they went there, they just got some left-wing politics spouted from the pulpit instead of something useful. Um, and, and so, um, uh, but this is why, uh, certainly in Western countries, the, this is why you get queers for Palestine. Mm. Because, you know, they've, they've mixed the, the Marxist oppressed oppressor uh, binary. Uh, they've mixed that with their own um, uh, hatred of Western particularly Christian culture, and of course Judeo-Christian culture, which is why they side with Hamas um, in, in this crisis, that they end up in this, in this position where they just see people living in, in Gaza only as victims, uh, and therefore uh, uh, Israel can only be the oppressor, uh, and they have this binary view of of life which means they take to the streets of london uh, they go outside the opera house and listen to people shouting gas the jews um without criticizing it that they'll spend all of their time on social media calling for israel to stop bombing gaza and never once having uh told hamas to give the hostages back so uh, religion is a massive problem it's a huge problem uh and and like i say uh, i'm not going to vent my fury at people like richard dawkins i actually like a lot of what Richard Dawkins has to say, uh, and it gives me something to 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 riff off. You know, to say actually, you've identified something where where the church has in fact um, been uh, disappointing, uh, 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 but actually that doesn't mean that, that the whole thing is out. Um, he does also have some straw men arguments against against God, which, which you know people know well. But Dawkins is not the one to 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 for, for, to uh, meet my ire at least he has the justification of saying no but i don't believe in god and i, and I don't believe in, in that jesus christ was god and man and rose from the dead so he has no responsibility to defend that but when you've got um clergymen who take money in you know earn money in the name of being christians uh being public christians um uh, refusing to uh lay out uh, or follow or 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 teach the things that 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 religion tells them to teach in the name of oh i'm standing up for the oppressed you know um that's why you end up having the dean of newcastle cathedral blessing a load of people in canoes who went to blockade the port of newcastle that's -hmm. how you end up with that situation and they blockade the port of newcastle uh, which is the source of income for everybody including the dean of the cathedral That's That's how you
0: end up in that situation. It's such an interesting point that you make there. And we're going to take a break in a moment. But before we do, I just want to get you, just go down this pathway a little bit. And by the way, you are watching Weekends with Jason Alborn here on TNT Radio. And we're with Father Chris Yates. Chris, what is the logical progression of climate change woke religion? Where do they go next in terms of how they're going to save the
2: world if we've got so many people on it? What happens next? of us, of course. I mean, that you know, woke is not a left-wing problem anymore. It's on the left and the right, because we have woke capitalism as well. Uh, and so, you know, um, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion within companies. Uh, this began with HR departments. Um, so th- their plan is to make it economically unviable for people to carry on living as we have. And of course, the way we've been living has been the greatest um, uh, elevator of people out of poverty. We have more people in the world who are obese than starving. Uh, all the the benefits that have come from capitalism, yes, with some drawbacks that we don't need to pretend don't exist. Um, but, you know, I think their version of, of, well, their ultimate aim is to have equal outcomes. Well, if we end up you know, going back to the Stone Age, if we end up with power outages, we, you know, it will fulfil what Churchill again said, that the 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 problem with socialism is is an equal sharing of the miseries.
0: That's a very, very good point. And on that note, what we will do is we'll take a break and we'll be back with more here. You are watching Weekends with Jason Olborn here on TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective.
1: I think we have a big problem globally with the perception that people have especially with people who I think are quite intelligent, they're well-off, they're well-meaning, and yet they have bought into the whole man-made climate change scam. I was at a holiday party last night, and a lady that was there had a Tesla. And I have nothing against Tesla. So I was asking her, well, how long does it take you to charge a Tesla? She says, five hours. That's in her garage. And I said, well, what if you're traveling cross country? She says, I'll look up rapid charging station. I said, okay, okay. And how long does that take? A half hour. So let me get this straight. You have to plan your trip so that you will stop for a half hour at charging stations. You have to go look along the route. I mean, I travel across the United States all the time. Takes me three minutes to fill my tank for 400 miles, not a half hour to recharge it. And what's interesting is it's tough enough to figure out which hotel to stay in as opposed to trying to find a charging station but if you have a lot of money that's fine but things got sort of sticky at the end of the party to a point where my wife actually grabbed me and said come on let's go when the lady said to me well i'm doing my part to stop co2 from warming the atmosphere again what bothers me is that She's very intelligent. I've had this encounter with a lot of intelligent people that they have actually been brainwashed. So we got a whole lot of work to do to try to at least get people to understand what's going on and to look at it. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog, meteorologist, Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. We are for pets. We do anything for them because they do everything for us we are for people for those who love pets unconditionally we are for good from adoptions and veterinary care to disaster relief and fighting pet hunger we stand together to create a better world for pets and families in need we are pet smart charities for pets for people for good
2: our next steps to space this time we go back to the moon to learn to live to work to invent to create today's news
1: talk radio tnt
0: welcome back to weekends with jason Olborn and we're with father chris yates and before the break we were talking about the religion of woke and when we look deeper into what's going on in this so-called religion of woke chris where do we go in as we move forward, this horrific 12-letter word called depopulation, it's something that many people will ignore until they realise that there's nobody left. But what we're seeing with excess deaths, what we're seeing with this climate change agenda, we're almost being
2: told now to cull or be culled as the only way forward. Where does this end up? Yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, in about 1997, when I was exploring Christianity, 96 to 97, um you know there, there were still people in in, in Manchester where, where i grew up uh, who had who were religious kind of you know nutters um who would wear sandwich boards with the end of the world is nigh on and mm. everyone laughed at them yeah. you know uh, uh, well they've been replaced haven't they so they've been replaced by um the climate end of the world is nigh uh, sayers um i mean i would have thought that, that if our climate's going to going to heat up then actually we should invest in refrigeration and make sure that um You know, developing countries have access to air conditioners and those sorts of things. But you know, what do I know? Um, But yeah, let's extend it out. Um, Woke really finds its origin in uh, the neo-Marxist movement. So, the neo-Marxist movement came from uh, there were a group of uh, they were in fact secular Jewish scholars in Frankfurt in Germany, the Frankfurt School, who were examining the question: Why did communism? Why did Marxism only take heart, take hold in agrarian Russia, not in the West? Because Marxist claims, of course, are, are where you have these big, big divides between um, the haves and the haves-nots. Well, the divide was much greater in London than it was in Moscow, um, and yet it was in Russia that this took hold, and why not in the West? And they came to the conclusion, which actually was a very sensible conclusion, which was in order for the West to be won, uh, in order for the proletariat to rise up against the bourgeoisie, the superstructures of the West needed to be destroyed, and they were Christianity and a nuclear family. That, whilst those two things existed, um, Marxism had no chance, and so the attack was 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 based towards them. Well, woke is the latest incarnation of this attack. They, it is fundamentally a, a, a dehumanizing attack. So, look at attitudes towards abortion and euthanasia now you know people have different views on that um so again so-called christians will say oh they're pro-choice uh one could make a distinction between having laws against such things as opposed to it just being a moral a moral wrong which Mm -hmm. is up to you uh and and you look i'm happy to kind of speak with people along that journey but there's no doubt that the um the discouragement of people to have families which has come from, you know, that having families is somehow now a moral evil because, you know, you're producing more carbon users, right? More carbon producing people. Um, This is a Yeah. In other words, if you extend that out, what is the point of human beings, um, if you accept their claims, uh, which I don't, but if you accept their own data, what would be the point in um, adopting the policies they want to see put in which would mean fewer people less food um less energy uh less reliable energy more wars by the way uh that would that would happen as a result of that um what would be the point in doing that to save the earth if it means that there's no humans on it yes they can only come to a conclusion that says it's worth it if they think that humans are not fundamentally worth more than amoeba now the fact again for an atheist it's very hard to make that claim
1: Mm.
2: for a for, for if one acknowledges that there is a creator then again complete opposite of what the woke are teaching in the book genesis god's god creates human beings in the image and likeness of god and therefore they are set apart from the rest of nature and um gives us power of taxonomy taxonomy to name the other creatures, for example. Um, And, of course, gives us the command to go forth and multiply. So Mm. the woke message is the opposite of the divine message. Now, here's the thing. As a thought experiment for your listeners who think, look, I like a lot of what he's got to say, but I don't really need to believe in God. There are many things that we take for granted, uh, not just in the West, in the whole world. As being norms of hu- of humanity, things that would find their way into the UN Declaration of Human Rights, for example, that we think don't that that, that are independent of God, that just makes sense. Well, here's one. If we're going to have a shortage of food, if we're not going to eat cows, why don't we eat people? Mm. When, when, our, when our loved ones pass away, instead of you know a, a terrible carbon-producing crematorium to burn them and scatter their ashes uh, or to bury them in the ground, um, why don't we eat them? What a waste of energy. Now, if no. one is simply a materialist, existentialist, yes. there's no dilemma with that whatsoever. It's a very good point. And, but uh, instinctively, and- we don't want to do that. Why? Why? And Now, if, if this is the first time you've thought about this, not, I know it's not the first time you thought about this, Jason, but for if, if listeners, if this is the first time you've thought about this, why do we find it so repulsive? And by the way, if you don't find it repulsive, there's something wrong with you. Go and see a doctor. <laughs> um, uh, uh, we find it repulsive because it is is fundamentally against our nature. But that is not a scientific, a biological, or an evolutionary um, uh, um, message. It's a divine message. It's because God creates human beings in his image and likeness, and we are therefore not allowed to consume other people. Um, it's a biblical command. It's 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 something that's been revealed through the natural law. Um you know, and so I challenge atheist existentialists. Why don't you eat people? And what kind
0: of reaction, if you've put it forward, have you received in response, or is it just a bridge too far?
2: Yeah, I think I think people just Something like that is easy to dismiss as you're just being ridiculous. Mm. Well, no, you know, um, follow the philosophical line. Yes. Uh, now, it, and if you, if you accept, therefore, that there are there are uh, laws that transcend the material, the existential, then it presupposes there must be a god. I mean, this mm. this is a, similar to the argument of, you know, for a scientist who uses the laws of physics of nature to describe. How things take place, they therefore presuppose have faith in uh, the fact that there are laws of physics. Um, you know the sort of Newtonian laws. Mm. Well, why are those? Where do those laws come from? There must be a lawgiver. Yes. That's God. So um, now, I mean, ultimately, an atheist like Richard Dawkins would say. Well, you know, who, who would accuse us of God of the gaps, right? You know, where's God in X? And if you don't know the answer, it's God of the gaps. Um, I would accuse him of of, of, of time of the gaps because what they, their answer is, we don't know yet, but we will know at some point in the future when science reveals it to us. Well, what's the difference in, in terms of argument? Well, they're using time as their argument instead of God. Mm. But I think that... Um, Uh, the law of god is written on human hearts it's why you don't actually need to have have heard the scriptures have heard of jesus have grown up in the west um to you could grow up in 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 the amazon rainforest and you would generate some idea that there is in fact you're much more likely to generate uh, to generate the thought that there is a divine um origin to all things and one who ought to be worshipped
0: it's a big call isn't it because on one side you've got Uh, atheism or Darwinism is purely chance and the other side you've got purpose and it Mm -hmm. makes a big difference from a starting point to say are we just random and therefore we go down that pathway but then as you've been talking about during this hour is the understanding that there always comes back to a question of some form of morality and where does that said morality come from and therefore it seems to come back to what you've said, is the lawgiver. And, mm. and so it is that um, it's very hard to accept that everything was simply a spark, everything was simply a chance. And even if it did become, you know, it's God's finger making a spark to create as opposed to holding a piece of clay in his hand. However, we look at the the old biblical stories, the simple ones, but mm. something is in there to create the purpose and the reason for it. And it just seems to be really, really difficult to, to believe that everything that we see and know and hear and the structure structures and almost the holographic structures when you look into an eyeball and you see things that seem to replicate in the um in, in, in the leaf of a tree or or, or something like that that these this same pattern seems to exist in all parts of nature uh, and to therefore think that how is it possible that it can be just random
2: but also as well as looking back you know to what, what's the ultimate origin it also begs the question well how do you look forward because you know again, if we're merely existentialist materialists, there is only what is, it's very difficult to discern a meaning of life. you know I mean what really is the meaning and purpose I mean look, most people um, you know are not are not don't trouble themselves by by dwelling on these things for too long. In fact, in the West we, we, we've become experts at uh, I describe it as anesthetizing ourselves to that question. So uh, that's where hedonism finds its root, okay? So it, it, it actually, if I pause and pray, I might actually think about what is the meaning of life? What's the purpose of my life? What on earth am I doing here? Should I even exist at all? Now, I don't want listeners to to. To think, because unfortunately, when people um, come to the conclusion that there's nothing more than this existence, they kill themselves. Mm. Uh, And this is why it's really important for people like me to say, no, that is not all that there is. There, you know, there is a a meaning and purpose to your life which goes beyond what you can see. And uh, like I say, so people either kill themselves quickly or they do it slowly through hedonism. They do, they do it by distracting themselves all the time with, and and, 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 you know, human beings have been great at, and I'm terrible for it myself of, you know, YouTubing and going down, you know, entering the internet and distracting yourself for a whole day. So you don't have to think about these things, uh, of drinking, taking drugs, none of which are bad in themselves, by the way, but you know, it, where they become a, a replacement for having meaning and purpose in life, they become destructive. Um, and so, Whereas actually, I believe if we believe that there is an ultimate origin uh, uh, for our lives and for the entire cosmos and, and the things we can't see as well, there's also an ultimate destination, and and you see this is why um, religion, you know, people that believe in God are quite dangerous for the woke, because for the for the woke and for the existentialists, for the Marxists, they have to try and create heaven on earth that's that's utopianism right they're looking for this utopia if we can just get the right systems or the right politician or the right person you know vote for trump and we'll save the world you know or vote for biden and we will save the world all of these things are folly you yeah. know that's not the meaning and purpose of life uh for the christian for the jew for for the muslim uh for for most theistic uh traditions um heaven is something beyond this life having heaven is is a final resting place within god um it's not something we should burden ourselves by uh by attempting to create here and every attempt to do so has led to absolute destruction and mass murder um we are not utopian thinking is evil thinking uh we're supposed to say no you know, again, uh, you know, uh, an Abrahamic view of the world is to say there is a problem with me. There is a problem with the world. The problem is that that we are orientated to disobey God. Um, now, uh, you know, bad religion is and God's going to smash you for it. I don't believe that for a second. The the antidote to that is to say, no, God has also uh, revealed himself in creation. He's become one of us. And, and, and actually, our faith in him is what ultimately saves us. But more than that, it gives purpose and meaning for our lives now. And we realise that, in fact, the meaning of life is to do the most difficult things, which is to try and be perfect, you know, as revealed by God, to try and obey his commands, even though I fail all the time, and we all fail, but to carry on striving. Again, Jordan Peterson summed this up, and he speaks really well to people that are not, you know, religious people. He says, you know, really the meaning of life is to... uh, Understand that you have a cross, a burden to bear, and that your the meaning of life is to keep picking that cross up and dragging it up the hill. And every time you drop it, pick it up and drag it up the hill. Uh, meaning in, in life is actually achieved through struggle, through um through a passion, through 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 the model that Christ showed us. Eternal life is is through a crucifixion, uh, and so. Um, actually hedonism as, as, as much as I enjoy it. And I enjoy hedonistic things as much as anybody else. Um, does not find its ultimate source of meaning. People, people will say, well, you know, I, I, I struggle hard. I work hard. I do things I don't like to do so I can earn money for my children. So my children could have a good life. That's a, that's a good version of what I'm talking about. But again, it's not enough, you know, doing that makes our families God. Yes. Um, uh, and so, uh, again we've got to extend the thinking beyond that you know what's the what's the purpose of striving to have a, our children have a more comfortable life it's because we think there's something important in that um but but ultimately no matter how perfect our children's lives are beyond ours they'll still die one day um and so uh meaning in life can't be simply by having material things it can't simply be achieved by um enjoyment um it has to serve a higher purpose and that higher purpose is living sacrificially i would say with with the vision of god in mind and also wanting to serve people we find most difficult to love you know it it can be very easy to to help people we like or who agree with us or who we're related to it's much more difficult to have concern for people that that we don't like
0: Yeah, that's uh, so well put and unfortunately, we've run out of time. We are at the end of the hour. Uh, Chris, I just wanna say thank you uh, for such an incredible perspective that seems to be missing and it's that ability through all the work that you've done and continue to do. Uh, this has been uh, Father Chris Yates with us today on the show. Chris, I wanna wish you and your family uh, a happy Christmas and New Year, and I hope to catch up with you again uh, very, very soon so we can continue these wonderful discussions that we've, we are able to have. Coming up after the news, uh, t- uh, Tony Nicolik from AFL Solicitors will be with us. We are gonna go down the pathway of exploring the COVID inquiry. You are watching Weekends with Jason Olborn here on TNT Radio.